Yes, people, it is part two of this week's Echo Chamber. And, um, yo, we have got um, a new short film called The Lost Kings. We're going to bring you that. Speak with the director, Brian Laws. So this is a great one, people. All right. We will catch you. Um, yeah, we'll catch you in a minute. Let's get in. Okay, people, so let's get things started off with um, our film, Lost Kings. Yo, so, hey, I have to say, right, when you do a lot of festivals and you, you put stuff out there, you seem to start to appear on people's radar, which is always an interesting one, right? Because you do wonder. Are they contacting me because they like my stuff or it's just, you know, a, a widening of the net situation, you know what I mean? But yeah, I got hit up about this new short film called Lost Kings. And there seems to be a lot of interest around this film. And even to the point where it, it, I think it's being under consideration for an Oscar, right? An Oscar nomination, which is huge. But that that's a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? Because I think you, you look at these things sometimes and you'd be like, I mean, like, oh, uh, what if I hate it? What am I gonna say about this? You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, as I've always said, people, I am open. I'm always open to, uh, see stuff, you know, experience things. So I figured I would give it a shot, right? And uh, it is, you know, it is from Brian Laws. He directed and wrote the piece. I think this is his third, third short, right? He um, also produced it along with uh, Amanda Hayden, Morgan Harvey, and Aaron Newberry. Newberry also handled the music. Cinematography was Vincent Gonaville. Uh, Laws edited the film. The casting was from Chris Freehofer. Uh, Matt Couch handled production design. Uh, Morgan Harvey, again, Dalton Spence handled uh, the, the makeup and all of that kind of thing. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of talented, you know, just tremendous people involved behind the camera. But in front of the camera, we have Dash Melrose as Zuri. We have got um, his brother, Jaden, is played by Jacob M. Wade. Uh, there's a cashier in a corner shop, played by Brett Bauer. Um, now we have got uh, the mother, played by Kathy, Cassie Self. Her daughter is played by Joe Ashley Moore, and her son is played by Max Michael. 
and the police officer in the piece is played by Travis Vernier. So, Lost Kings. I mean, there's a title that invokes a lot, but you do wonder, right? What does this mean? What is it about? Well, the gist of the story is this. Many children across the country go hungry and are forced to look for food in any way they can. This film, which is being considered for an Oscar, follows a boy who is doing just that. I would, um, yeah, he's just doing that, right? Um, yeah, you know, he's searching for food and he is, I mean, it's hard to say forced, right? But he feels he is forced to do by any means necessary, by any means necessary. So I think storytelling is a skill. It is a skill, right? There's a lot of things people say, well, anyone can do it, right? And, you know, people say about comedy, oh, we can train you to tell jokes. Yeah, anyone can can do it, which, you know, to some degree, right? Same with films. And especially with the advent of the new technology and smartphones, people always say, oh, man, with the new iPhone, with the new Samsung, right? Anyone can use a phone to create a small film. It's easy. There's new free tools. There's other tools you pay for, but they're not too expensive. You know, we, we always hear about things like Gareth Edwards, the, you know, made Monster on a Mac, which I'm sure he did, but not the standard Mac that you might buy in the store. Motherfucker would have souped that up, you know what I mean? But that's the thing, right? So the um, barriers to entry may have come down on certain things, but just because the barriers have come down doesn't mean everyone has the skill and nuance to tell a tale. Storytelling of all forms is so artful, right? Because you have to get so much right for it to work. And with films, right, it's not just the story on the page, but it's then transferring that to the screen. And Brian Laws and his peoples have done such an incredible job with Lost Kings, right? Just like, it's a short film, it's 16 minutes, right? It's 16 minutes long, but they do a wonderful job. They do a wonderful job in this, right? We, we, we see Zuri, you know, he comes home, his little brother's watching the TV, ain't paying no attention, you know? And he goes to his cupboard and there is not much in. I think there's some like, uh, I think he picks up a packet of macaroni cheese, but then I'm assuming you need to add milk or maybe some cheese like to make it pop. I mean, I made my shit from fresh, but I understand, right? 
but yeah, it, it, it just like we we see him search the cupboards, and you see the expression on his face. So he's just like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And we see him leave the house, right? Brother, don't give a fuck. Don't give a fuck. But so he, he's thinking, what can I do? What can I do? And we then see him try one thing, which Ari does not do it well. Doesn't do it well at all. I was just like, homie, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> you don't walk in with the bag on your shoulders. Like that, that's, or if you do, have the zip at the side. Have the zip at the bum, 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 bum. Slip your shit in. It's simple, man. Hey, I ain't done it, but in my head, right, you think there's ways about going about this thing, right? Now, it doesn't work. But on his way home, he spots something. He spots something that hey, gives him an idea, gives him a clue. And so we see him do this thing. And you are just a bit like, oh, no. What are you doing? What are you doing, man? This ain't the way. But you then see he's just going for food. Right? He's just going for food. And you're like, oh, man, I get it. Right? I understand. And you do kind of think, all right, you know what? Although, you know, doing this shit, you can't, you, like, you wouldn't normally condone, but I get it. I get it. And it's just food. It's just food. All right? Now, things then turn. Things turn, and he's in this situation, and the tension, the tension that is created, it is just, whew, it's palpable, man. Like, I mean, you really feel it. You really feel all these emotions. Like, the elation when he sees all of this food. Oh, my God. Right. And then just the fear, the worry, the concern. And uh, it's not vocalized, but you feel you see on the face this shame and regret for the situation he's found himself in. You know, now things turn. Right. And this family is involved. But even with that. Right. We don't know this family we don't get names or anything like that all we understand is like looking at their house what they have and you be like all right looks like they're doing okay now obviously you don't know you don't know if there's debt or like you know like a loveless marriage like you you don't know right but you, you're looking at them and then the realization they have you see that, and the way all of that is handled, the way all of that is handled is so good, so good. And at the very end, this there, there is this moment that, oh man, it, like if you've got a cold ass heart, it's gonna melt your heart, people. It's going to melt your heart. Oh my god, oh my god, and. A big thing about this, right, these actors involved, they 
have done a tremendous job because the story is one thing, but you then need these actors. I've said it so many times, right? You need the actors to be on board, and especially with something this short, because there's no meat on, sorry, there's meat on the bone. There's no fat on the bone, right? It is so tight, so concise. So anyone that doesn't get across what this is in, in that split second, that could be the downfall of this film. It really could. And these, oh man, these thespians, they kill it. They kill it. Even, you know what I mean? Just Jaden doesn't really say anything, but it, it, it's just from the way he's sitting, the way he interacts with Zuri, that speaks volumes. You know, the, 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 the way the mother's inflection shifts is just great. The daughter, right? The, the way she is processing the situation, Right. At first, we see a little bit of, you know, nonchalance. Then we see a little bit of worry and concern. And then at this this pivotal moment in the film, we see her weigh everything up. And then the compassion. And it was masterful. It was masterful. Zuri at the end you again like none of this is vocalized but it's like you see you know that shame the, the regret the relief and the kind of i can't be in this situation again right that that's what you get from that right which is insane because literally it's not a lot right it's a few seconds see space and you're just like, oh, man, so much resonates. You know, the camera work and everything like that, there's a lot of soft focus. So you see the clarity of a situation, everything else in the background, a little hazy. So things pop, right? You are not losing focus of the story, of the movements, of the beats. Man, this, this was just... This was handled so well, people. This was handled so well. And it just shows to show what can be done in a short frame of time. Now, look, we've seen some great stories, right? Remember the Flair Festival earlier in the year? We had Cost of Living from Alice Truman, um, Friends of the Show, right? Emily El Fadis from A to Q. Hey, people, which is coming to TV, right? If you've got Channel 4, it's coming to Channel 4, so you get to watch that there. And then we had Jessica Benahu with A Love is a Hand Grenade, who all really showed the masterful efforts of storytelling in a short space of time. And yeah, Lost Kings, oh, it resonates in the same way. It really does. 
Brian and the rest of his crew. Listen, they deserve all the awards, all the praise that they are currently getting. And it's going to take a great piece of work to stop this from winning Oscars. For real. It is that great an experience of a story of just a a message that is being sent in a non-patronizing way. So if you get the opportunity, people, I, I tell you, watch Lost Kings. Right, 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 people. So now, now we get to speak to the man himself, director and writer of Lost Kings. That's right, the great Brian Laws, people. Check this shit out. Okay, people, so I have with me right now Brian Laws, the director, the writer of Lost Kings. Brian, thank you for giving me your time. Really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, no worries, man. Um, Yeah, I, I think storytelling as a whole is always an interesting thing. And when you see a, a you know a full length movie, you're just like, man, how did they do that? And you know, what I mean? like we got all that story in two hours. That's great, right? And you had sixteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, sixteen shorter. minutes to tell this nuanced story, and there's not really a definitive beginning or end, but everything really hits home. Right. Well, thank you. Where the fuck did this story come from, Brian? I think that's well, the first question, right? It's a great question. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you you bring up the longer story. That's actually true for me as well. There was a there's a longer feature story that this actually started with, um, that I wrote and and was developing. And so when I got to a point with the script where I felt like it was really strong, I felt like a natural next step would be, let's make a short version. Let's kind of pull a little bit from the world. Um, and then with that short version that I can do really well, uh, take that around to kind of get the feature version up and moving. So uh, it actually um, was kind of devolved from a larger story. So, Okay. Interesting. And the topic itself, mm -hmm. right? Because I think like a lot of times we, we hear about people in need, but it goes mm -hmm. the drug route. Right, it goes yeah. to drug or the petty crime route, which I mean, yeah. like petty crime is, I'd say, it's an element of the film, but it's not mm -hmm. really the film, you know yeah. what I mean? But you no, went, no, yeah, you went this food poverty route, which mm -hmm. I think is definitely something that is big right now. You know, we, yeah. we heard during lockdown a lot of people, food banks just, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, over overthrown with the amount of um, people trying to get food, which I think shocked so many people. It's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I didn't realize it was like that here. You know, yeah. you hear about those places where there's a lot of, but here? You know what I mean? Yeah. So this film really seems to be popping at the right time to get into the mindset of people. But where for you did this come from and what was the importance of telling this story for you? That's a great question. Um, 
I mean, in reality, I think it's a, an issue I've been aware of in my own city. And, 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 and I've seen it, like you said, it doesn't feel like something that's maybe uh, in our own neighborhoods. But for me, I, I really wanted to tell a story that explored, I mean, for, for the way mine does it, he breaks into the home, but they don't know he's in the home. They don't know why he broke into the home. They don't even know, you know who broke in the home. Mm-hmm. And I was really interested in fleshing out the idea of like, we so often might come back to a scene where, you know, our car is broken in, our home is broken into. And it's easy to assume, like you said, like, um, you know, petty theft, or maybe think some of the intent was more malicious. And what I really wanted to do was tell a story from the perspective of someone in a really tough financial situation um, that something needs something as simple as food and breaking in for something that um, I think we all kind of understand is just such a basic need. Um, and take show it from his perspective and juxtapose that with the, the family coming home to really walk through kind of the situation with empathy as an audience, you know, to, to really consider like, you know, the real reasons people are probably pushed to these limits. And so seeing that, you know, situations like that in my own city um, and, and like you brought up often, not, not far away, but sometimes just a street over from where we all live ourselves. Um, I felt it would be a really powerful story to bring light to, to these you know, a really basic need that's not being met in a lot of corners of our, our world and our cities. And also to kind of walk people through, I think really a, a thought of maybe considering that what, whenever they encounter situations like this, the real reasons behind it and maybe not the malicious intent or, or, or what brought someone to do this from a real earnest, desperate place. Um, Cause yeah, I think it's so easy to just walk up and say, wow, someone, broke up my window in my car, probably were just looking, you know, to cause trouble. And I think we so often write off maybe the nuance involved in some of these financially desperate situations. Um, so all those things kind of combined led me to the film. Okay. Because I, I do think, yeah, as you're watching it, and this is a thing, right? When I talked about the film um, earlier, because I just watched it earlier today, because mm-hmm. I, I wanted it to be fresh in the mind. So I always try and watch something the day I'm, I'm, I'm doing these things, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's weird because there's not a whole heap of dialogue, but there were certain moments where I'm just like, for me, I, I'm, I'm talking, I'm like, yo, and it was this moment, and it just seemed there was this shame, this remorse, there's this, all this mm-hmm. flashes at you. And I, yeah. you read, like, it's one of those things, you know, because I hate those things where people, you know, watch something and be like, well, obviously, the director was saying this with the film, and you're just like, yeah. you know, I heard a QA. That's not what they were saying. You self righteous mm-hmm. son of a bitch. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking at the stuff, and right, so they just seemed that desperation at the beginning and like mm-hmm. he really didn't want to do these things like and you felt mm-hmm. this is the first time he's had to go this route you know what yeah. I mean because he fumbled the shop I want to say yeah. someone needs to take him aside and be like yo don't do it like <laughs> that man like, yeah. don't walk in with your bag on your shoulder like come on yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, my actor was so, so incredible. Dash just, you know, like all the things you're bringing up, I think he worked, you know, really hard on his character before we were even on set. And then once I was there with him, there was a lot of conversations of, you know, how to bring in that novice innocence of of the situation. Because I feel like the so also adds so much to coloring the picture of what's happening. Like, Mm. you know, once again, the family comes home, they probably don't assume a boy broke in. They probably assume it's maybe an adult. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, I'm so glad you picked up on that because that was, you know, tremendously important to me for him to get that right. And, and also on the scripting, uh, I really didn't want to overwrite it, which you brought up. There's not much dialogue. And, and that's very intentional because I felt like the situation alone and the images alone um, would speak enough and strongly for itself. And, and in fact, I think it would speak stronger because we're just watching him process on his face and not trying to, like, you know, really tell the audience with dialogue what we're saying. I think it really led to a really powerful film because I had the right actors pulled off, you know, so um, they were incredible. Oh, they, the perform as I always say, right. A great story is one thing. Mm -hmm. It's, but that you then have to put it on the screen. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's the direction, the cinematography, the sound. And right. Mm -hmm. I appreciate yeah, didn't throw us the motherfucking mood music. Like, feel, <laughs> yeah. feel sad here. Suspenseful moment. You didn't give yeah. us that. I appreciate that, Brian. Thank you. I'm glad it worked. <laughs> well, and I also thought it would make you feel more tense, you know, because silence is actually, a, you know, a quiet place, right? That's a good example yeah. of a movie that I feel oh, like they just. That's a great film. Just give you the natural sound, and it's super tense. And I felt like that just made more sense for our film, too. Um, well, well, no. When I watch films like this, and mm-hmm. you're just like, you know, and someone's trying to hide and all of that, I'm like, mm-hmm. put your hand over your mouth. They can hear you breathe. She can hear you breathe. Calm yeah. it down. And it just yeah. makes you feel so freaking anxious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. That was, and that was kind of the goal, too, was like, you know, you wanted to feel his anxiety. And I think you probably even picked up on that because, like, a lot of, we, you know, capturing him breathing and kind of making sure that was throughout was intentional to kind of make you feel the maybe the same level of anxiety he would feel as you kind of hear his own breath trying to like keep it quiet so mm-hmm. but i got you if it made you anxious it worked it's great <laughs> it, it really like there's a thing is it, it felt natural right and mm-hmm. and use you know with the lack of dialogue in a lot of places but it's just like you know you're you're not really gonna come home look in the cupboards and be like, "Hey, Jaden, where the cupboards are bare, Jaden? What are we gonna do? Oh my God, I'm at my wits. Yeah. Like you wouldn't. It's all internal, and that's the yeah. thing. We see the expression, and mm-hmm. it, it, this is the thing. It's like so you have the direction, the cinematography, the music, the makeup, all of these things, but then yeah actors they need to perform and with something Mm -hmm. like this with something so concise Mm -hmm. any dropped emotion any dropped nuance is going to be so noticeable and it's really going to affect the story so everyone involved and even from little old Jaden who doesn't really Mm -hmm. say much but it's just in the way he sits the way he like physically interacts in that moment mm-hmm. it's just those mm-hmm. little things make sense right and yeah. and speak volumes it's the like the mother when there is that realization it's the dropping tone mm-hmm. right it's the hey so but, but, but. i i think someone's here. and it's just those little mm-hmm. things that you're just like Phew. yeah like, how the fuck did yep. you get these performances, Brian? Well, I think part of it is you just cast really good actors, you know? Like, it's just like you... That I was very fortunate to have amazing actors to work with. Um, and then on set, I think there's, you know, 
part of that's my responsibility to know what, what I want and to kind of have a rhythm or a tone always in my head of kind of where we are in the scripts. Um, but they were tremendous collaborators. I mean, sometimes or oftentimes they would just, you know, go a different direction with it slightly or, or drop some nuance or, you, you know, you'd see just their own personality kind of creep into the character in a really, really beautiful way that kind of brought even more to their person like on screen. Um, and so it was just a lot of fine tuning. I mean, it, it felt like because you said it was so quiet, uh, no dialogue. It was a lot of real micro movements we were doing constantly on set, kind of tracking where we were in the film and um, just making sure we weren't ever overstating it. Because I knew, I knew if it bled into melodrama, it would really take away from the honesty of the story and could, you know, even potentially feel exploitive of the issue, which is a very real issue in all of our, you know, a lot of places in the world. And so. I knew the the more honest we did it and the more subtle we did it, um, it would, would be really important to make it connect with people. Because the last thing I wanted was people to start to feel like it was, um, although it has thriller elements, you know, it's still very much like a has a is a coming of age suspenseful drama, and didn't have, didn't want to ever slip into something just seeming uh, thriller horror like. So um, it was just just always keeping that kind of in the forefront and knowing the story we were telling really helped us make sure we didn't kind of lose that. And that led to those hushed moments you're talking about that just felt natural for the character and the story. Yeah. So when you're, you know, trying to get these things from people, right. Do Mm -hmm. you write in the script at this moment, these emotions are running through you. Like, do you mm. put together like playlists to be like, no, listen to this. This will put you mm. in the mood. Like, what are the yeah. like what are the things that you try and utilize to, mm-hmm. you know, get this across? I'm I'm sure in run throughs and things like that, there's a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. But yo, what? How do you do it, bro? Well, in this on the script level, I'm I'm trying to always only write things you can see. So I'm probably rarely going to write. Um, uh, you know, Zuri, our main character, Zuri feels anxious and frustrated and upset. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm always trying to start on the script level with writing uh, what we can visually see, and I can, like without giving telling the audience what what it means. So yeah. I would write, you know, he drops his head, he takes a deep breath, and so always thinking through not just like exposition that you know on the script that tells pe- the reader what you know, what's happening, but I would try to always think through what images and what visuals as a viewer, if, if you read it and imagine it, it then tells you and fills in the gap what's going on in the character. Mm. Um, whether that's, you know, fiddling with keys or something, or, um, you know, uh, may, maybe, you know, crawling through the house in a certain way, always basically describing the story visually and not, not expositionally. And, and um, I think in, on the script level, another thing I like to do is I like to write rhythmic, rhythmically a little bit. So in, if, if a moment needs to feel a certain way in, in pacing, I might use a couple different lines to say it. I might use all capitals or like, you know, a, to kind of as they read it, they should be feeling the tone and the rhythm of the script as they go through it. Because because um, I've kind of taken time to kind of like map out my beats on the page first. And, and that's kind of it's done really well for me because I think it, it actually pulls the the actors on the reading into what my vision is and, and what I hope, like it, not just the actors, the whole crew. I think it, it walks people through the rhythm and the tone that the film is because they can kind of see on the page, the beats and the visuals so clearly. So it, it's easy sometimes to want to not write those things because it, 
it can, it's really hard to kind of think mm. what does it look like to be frustrated instead of just writing he's frustrated. Yes. Um, but um, forcing myself on the front end on the script to get that down has just has exponential value later on because throughout the whole process, people understand, you know, what we're doing in this moment. Um, so that's kind of that, that is the starting point for all of it. And then on set, there's slight tweaking, but the script is where it really starts. Uh, now, would you say your commercial background really is beneficial in telling a story over a short period of time? You know, I mean, I guess you did start with Super Bowl adverts, which is like insane, you know what I mean? But it's just mm. being able to tell a story in such a short period of time, I, yeah. I it seems to go kind of hand in hand with what you're doing mm -hmm. now. Is is that something, or am I just trying to throw words in your mouth? Yeah. Well, I think all I think all work does kind of you know shape you and and, and challenge you and grow you in good ways. So it, it's probably hard to separate the two and say what's influenced what exactly. But I will say from a very young age, you know, starting in theater and acting, you know, elementary school, and um, actually writing narrative first. You know, I and being a movie lover, I actually started in scripted and, and that's kind of what I've done the most of. So although there's some commercial work now, just, just naturally through opportunities working in the industry, um, really my roots do start in like a scripted story, even as a kid, even writing stories on my own and, and kind of working through that with friends or doing theater, um, was learning to edit really young, about 14 or 15 years old, was working on a computer learning to edit and learning what it really means to build a story visually and, and the right tone and pace. So um, I think it's actually the other way around. I think my, my love of movies and my experience acting and uh, my like desire and actually making scripted pieces with friends like in, in high school and middle school actually informed me able to do commercial work really well. Um, and, uh, but yeah, they do, they, they, they both contribute to, you know, a sharpening a skill set. but it's, um, I think it's actually the love of movies that started me. Um, ironically, it's the other way around. Okay. Thanks, Brian. Embarrass me on my own podcast. You know, I understand. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> I had never had the question before. I had to think about it. I think that's right. You could be right. Hey, so what kind of stories and and storytelling kind of spoke to you the most Is it, were there certain directors mm. that you were, or authors you know that you're just like man if i could tell a story like that yeah um man there's there's so many like i mean some are like classic ones like you you know i i think like you know spielberg movies particularly like late 80s you know 80s and 90s movies kind of while i was growing up we were like very impactful. Um, but then, you know, a movie, two movies that really, really stuck with me uh, in high school were Dead Poets Society and uh, Good Will Hunting were like really, really important movies for me and really emotionally connected with them in a lot of ways. And I, I think probably in high school, that was a, like where I really started to think like, if I could do a movie like that, they could have an emotional connection with someone in the same way that I had with these movies myself, that would be you know, that would be such a dream. So over the years, there's certain, there's different, you know, directors like, um, I said Spielberg already, but then there's like newer, newer directors like Destin, who did the new Marvel movie. Uh, um, but he's yeah, yeah, yeah. done a lot before that. I've always been a huge fan of him since his short film work um, in, you know, gosh, 13, 14 years ago um, when I first saw it. And um, 
Uh, I think Taika Waititi is amazing. Mm. I, you know, I watch people like Wes Anderson are so fun to watch because it's nothing like I make. Um, but I think at the, at the end of the day, it's, it's the, like the emotional connection. So I'll see directors that do things completely differently than me. stylistically. It doesn't even like look like what I do, but the fact that they can grip me in the, as an audience member and like emotionally really walk me through a really well-told story, um, always inspires me and kind of like almost sends me straight to my, uh, computer to like start writing a new story because it, it's a, it, I have a sense of gratitude. And I, I think a lot of people do is like when someone really tells you a great compelling story and you're just gripped by it. It's like a gift. And um, um, it just you know, it can be one of the most wonderful things. And so uh, many directors have done it along the way, but more than one particular director, it's just those movies that emotionally can connect with my heart that really make me want to go do the same. So it's, I, there's been oh, so many, I can keep rattling through them. I, I think <laughs> Whiplash is incredible, you know, grips you the whole time. So many movies, but um, yeah. It's a, it's a lifetime of movies that have really inspired me. Nice, nice. And are there stories, you know, that when you see them being told, you're mm -hmm. like, I've never thought about doing that. And so you see these different skills and nuances and you'd be like, ah, I need to try and adapt that. I need to try and work that into mm -hmm. what I do. Or ah, if I could have a conversation with that person to see how they are able to get those performances or, mm. or what they do with the camera to get those shots. Yeah. Um, so you're asking where I would go for those typically? Where I like, like stuff? Do, I mean, do you kind of, want to have the, like does seeing stuff want you to have those conversations or seek oh, out those yes. skills kind of thing absolutely you know? i mean the like the dga um has a podcast where they interview directors that i love to listen to i'm always on youtube looking for you know interviews with directors to learn about their process um i'm quite fascinated with it um the more i connect with the movie or story the more i typically want to read about it or learn about mm. their process um but yeah i would say um yeah, always, always trying to learn. I mean, anything I can find from a favorite director, uh, I'm, I'm kind of devouring it because I think there's so much you can learn from other people. And there's these guys that do these men and women who do these amazing films um, that are you know way beyond what I've even had a chance to do. And so often I'm fascinated with like, how do you manage, you know, I, I've done some smaller independent work, but how do you manage a budget in a, in a production that's, you know, 500 people on the crew, which just to me baffles me. But also it's really encouraging because the more I kind of, you know, dig in and, and hear about their process and how they manage it, it sounds like in a lot of ways, a lot of the basic things they learned kind of at the level I'm at and independent films really apply to a, a $200 million movie. Mm. Um, there's just way more to manage around it. And, and there's certainly new skills you have to have. But telling a good story is kind of always telling a good story. Um, and so it's, it can be really encouraging. I, I often seek it out because it makes me feel normal. I'm like, oh, okay, all these directors, they're, they're you know, they're, I'm, I'm, you know, normal like them. And also it kind of demystifies the process and helps me mm. feel really hopeful and encouraged. Like uh, just one step at a time is enough of a pace to get there. And um, I'm sure it's scary and stressful. I, I know it is, but um, it, it doesn't get easier. So it, it kind of actually makes it easier to like, just feel normal and keep moving on the process because their journeys actually really give me hope for mine. Yeah, the, it, it, you do get that sense of um, clarity and relief sometimes hearing conversations mm -hmm. be like, 
okay, so I'm going in the right direction. Be like, oh, mm-hmm. I yeah. use that technique as well. Oh, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Right? Yeah, you feel like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going well with how I'm proceeding mm-hmm. with this kind of thing, which I always find is interesting. Definitely interesting. Yeah, I, there was a, there was an article Paul Thomas Anderson did the other day that I was reading, and he was just talking about how you every film you never really lose the fear of like will this be good will it come together is this going to work and to see someone like him who's doing you know pretty just amazing work so encouraging because you're like oh, okay the the feeling the fear of like is what i'm making going to work is it you know that 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 like how do i figure out this project doesn't seem to go away even at his level so it kind of like just relaxes me at mine because i'm like okay i'm just gonna have to learn to dance with these emotions because this is what it means to be a filmmaker whether you're doing a short film or whether you're doing a massive massive studio film yeah, it's, it's funny. I saw something about Ridley Scott the other day and he was mm. talking about The Last Duel and he was being asked, you know, what, what do you feel? Because it wasn't a huge, you know, like box office success. And sure. he's just like, you know what? Sometimes you think you've got the thing and you mm. don't have the thing. But I made Blade Runner. Everyone slated it at the time. It's now in the, the Hall of Congress. People yeah. love the film. So it's just mm-hmm. like you can't always look at these, you know, these indicators as an actual indicator of the quality of a film. No, sometimes, yeah, I mean, I think someone said one time, and I really related to it, it was like sometimes you're ahead of the gatekeepers. Sometimes you mm. make something that is, is, is maybe even ahead of its time and it doesn't connect. Um, not to say that's necessarily what I – my story, but um, it was refreshing to hear, realize that because you're right, there are people that make things and it doesn't do well. And 10, 20, well, I guess now it's 40 years later, um, you know, it's in the Library of Congress, like you said. I think there's things that just, they're just like they, they, they're maybe innovative or they're different and they take time yeah. to catch on. And I think it's good to kind of shut down that part of your brain that worries is this relevant? Is it, is it, is it the right thing to make? I think it's much more powerful to say, is this the thing, the story I feel like is inside me that I'm trying to tell? Am I being honest to the story, to the characters? And just letting that be your job. And uh, I think in the end, the, the best of the stuff will rise to the top, even if it takes a little while to find its journey. Um, and that that is also a huge encouragement to hear and read. Because um, I think it gets in your head. I don't think I don't think it's helpful to be wondering every step of the way, am I making the right thing for the audience to be happy? I certainly want to entertain them and I want to emotionally engage them and, you know, have them be invested in my film. That's always, of course, on, you know, my goal. Cause I think a, a film that doesn't connect with its audience is not doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but it's nice to know that, you know, that's not something you can predict in the moment. So just do the best being true to your vision and, and what you know, the film is and, and be true to that and let the rest of it figure itself out afterwards. Um, certainly a calming thing to realize in the process. And then when you're on set, kind of keeps you grounded, you know, in what you're doing. Yeah, which does always make you wonder, right? So what are the tools given to people if you've come from, say, a film school background? Like, when mm-hmm. do you learn this stuff? When is this stuff kind of ingrained in you? Be like, yo, don't worry, just focus on the story you know what I mean it's it, it, like for you yeah. like when you first started creating like from that point to now when did this realization of you know what certain things are out of my control let me just focus on the things I can focus on mm-hmm. 
That's a good question. I don't know. It, it's hard to point to a certain moment. I do think probably, well, I'll just say for my journey, I don't know if it's true for everyone, but the first big leap you make into filmmaking, I think certainly has maybe the most emotional angst and trying to figure it out. You also typically, for me at least, enter in with a lot of naivety of like not realizing what you don't know. So you're, you're maybe even less anxious than you should be. But I think... <laughs> I think for me, it's it's just like surviving each time, like doing the thing, feeling worried about it, feeling on the top of the you know world about it. Oh, it's amazing. And then like, you know, all the emotions in between, basically, like because it is truly a full spectrum of emotions anytime any project goes on from like feeling utterly hopeless about it to feeling really, really proud and happy about it. I think I go back and forth throughout the whole thing. But when that cycle ends, when a project finally is done and released, it's kind of like the dust settles and you survived it and you kind of come out of it and you're like, okay, there was a lot that happened there, but I made it through. And then you do it again and you do it again, and you do it again. And what begins to happen is I think you just start to learn that while uncomfortable in the middle of the process, it is part of the process. And like that state isn't forever. Uh, I equated it, I think recently on in an interview to like running a marathon, which is a funny comparison because everyone knows I've never run a marathon. All my friends know that. So what do I really know? But um, I have been through, you know, shorter, shorter races, like 5k. I've done really, you know, hard workouts in the gym. And with, I think the, the thing I'm speaking to is like, it sometimes feels like you're going to die and you're not going to make it in the middle of these really hard things. And then you get done with it and you realize that was just a temporary pain to get to a larger goal. Mm -hmm. And the same is true with filmmaking where like the, the, the pains along the way after to get a film to be released in the world. The more you do it, the more you just you kind of develop a grit to say, this is just going to be part of it, but I love it. I love the process. It's the most fun thing in the world. I, I can't help but be a filmmaker. It just flows out of me, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. So I'll just expect the pain, and I'll just work through it. And I might feel it every time, but the difference now is because I've done it enough times over, I know that it will go away and be replaced by um, being proud of the film. So that kind of is now a through line that I think – Probably every creative, probably musicians, right? You know, authors, whatever someone does, I think that happens naturally. The more projects you survive, the more uh, you have a grit and a toughness to keep surviving future ones. And I think it gradually happens to all of us. Yeah, no, I I, I think that's a very good point. There's I I know from you know training like Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, kickboxing. Mm -hmm. There's times I've had my ass kicked, like. Yeah. Man, the first time I sparred doing Muay Thai, I've been training for a while, but I thought, mm -hmm. you know what? I, I feel I could hold my own against Sensei. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I was schooled yeah. Yeah. so badly, but yeah, like you know what I mean. You get you're getting kicked and punched and everything like that, but it then just sparks that thing inside you that's like, okay, mm -hmm. now I know where I am. And where I need mm -hmm. to go, and so then yeah. the next time you you've got a bit better, and the next time, and you start to be able to see two steps in front, three steps in front, four steps yep. in front. So although you know I'm never going to beat Sensei, but mm -hmm. I am able to hold my own a little bit better to understand the nuances of this game mm -hmm. we're playing. Totally, and that's yeah. the great thing about it. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's true for everyone. No matter that's a great example. But yeah, like you 
you just survive it enough times, you kind of figure out what it's going to take. And I, I think um, for anyone who wants to do anything in the world that's difficult, the best thing you can do is just finish it one time, mm. whether success or failure, just get through the cycle one time. Cause that's, I think really where you develop the grit to do it, you know, maybe for your life, if you want to do it that long. Yeah. Um, but not true. finishing. I think finishing is a superpower for those that really want to do work in the world because it, it teaches you that they're the, how, how, how strong you really are. You know, if you keep going. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, Brian, the one thing I'm very interested about is because mm -hmm. there's been films that have tried to touch on certain topics, right? We had Dangerous mm -hmm. Minds, you know, looking at education and that kind of thing. The Blind Side, right? Mm -hmm. With hockey, American football and all of that. Yeah. Now, the big thing was... I found those films very patronizing. Now they were very mm -hmm. successful, so maybe yeah. I'm wrong. But I just thought the way they handled it was so patronizing. But mm -hmm. watching yours, right, there didn't seem to be this, you know, as I said, it, there was no nothing being like, this is how you should feel or anything mm -hmm. like that. Or look, Zuri's poor, or, you know, the family, being with the family, it was just like, this is a situation, and you mm -hmm. view it from that, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to tell something like this, how do you stop yourself from coming across as patronizing? How do you put mm. that story first above any sort of message you're trying to push across or or anything mm -hmm. like that because i remember that episode of broad city when friggin hillary clinton was there and it just made me cringe and i was just i love mm -hmm. the show man but you didn't need to do that right so yeah how do you avoid those things and keep the story pure as it were well i think it's i think it's pretty difficult at times i think you have to really hold yourself in check especially if you're writing and directing you know i, I wrote the script too so i have a certain emotional connection to the writing but when it's time to take off the writing hat and put on the directing hat i think it's um it's a matter of really carefully it's just walking that tightrope of like the right kind of way you're trying to do it i think it does help me to imagine you you came up with a couple examples it helps me to imagine you know beforehand movies that didn't really connect with me and or, or maybe they connect with me but like you said maybe they feel patronizing or uh maybe just a little melodramatic like a little mm -hmm. bit you know hyped up to basically like i'm gonna entertain you with this difficult situation and i can think of those examples in my head and i can also think of films that did a really good job of not doing that and i think for me it comes back to knowing those films that really inspired me and the way they did it even if topically they're a little different their level of nuance and um honesty to a topic and uh you know the way they dignify their characters and telling it uh I, I think to those to kind of remember uh what what i hope to create and, and i don't know if i'm consciously on set thinking about that but i certainly in the pre-production and talking to my team and talking to the actors maybe not the actors as much i try to not you know i don't i certainly want to let them explore the characters on their own but like with my you know my director of photography is amazing or producer you talking about other films that i feel like really succeeded at it to kind of get us all on the same page of what movie we are going to make and sometimes yeah. on set it, it, i can think of times where it starts to go out of that realm and i have to just say uh we're not actually let's not do that let's pull it back and let's do it this way and sometimes i you know people 
think I can think of times people are happy with the take or, or it seemed fine in the moment, but in my internal kind of, um, not clock, but my internal assessment was like, oh, this is just a little outside of what we're doing. And, and mm. I think you have to just every shot, every beat, every line, you have to constantly be like thinking back to what you're telling and, and not evaluating the, um, the moment or the line or whatever it is, not evaluating the moment on just the narrative, like, was that good or bad? Because there's plenty of great, great moments or great, great performances. Um, but you have to say, is this, you know, is that, was that moment great and right for the film we're telling? Not just, is this moment great? And I think that's just kind of the role I'm constantly in and the one I have to kind of keep checking. And that's the moments where my intuition, I have to really listen to it and speak up when it says, Hey, 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 that's, that was great. People liked that. It kind of even felt good and was fun to capture that on camera, but that was, that's like, that leaves where we're, where we are. And so it's almost like tone is a hard thing to explain. Tone is this abstract feel. It's basically a feeling I have how the film is supposed to feel. And I have to like, it's kind of my job as the director to always be in charge of making sure we don't leave that, that tone and that feeling. Um, so I can maintain what we're doing. Um, it sounds, maybe that's too abstract of an answer, but at the very basic point, it's basically like every single moment I just have to check myself and make sure we're still kind of on track with where we're going. Yeah. Um, no, no, that's, no. That's, that's kind of me. Yeah. 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 No, I think I feel you. Um, yeah. Put that across very well. Yeah. I, I think people can understand what you're saying there. Um, and then in ed editing too, you shape that, you know, that's a whole new phase where putting it together, you make sure you keep it as well. Hmm. So how long was the shoot for this? How, you know, what was, mm. how long was that whole overall process? Uh, the shoot three days on set. Okay. Um, Pre-production was, you know, it was kind of spread out because I think I wrote the film, I'd written the feature, you know, the year before and I adapted the feature into this short film version we're talking, you know, people have seen now uh, in January uh before we filmed and then about five or six months later we were on set filming it so the writing process the casting process and assembling the right crew some of the key crew players um took a little bit of time but um three days on set and then the editing window was actually very very quickly because we wanted to hit some festival deadlines we wanted to release it um and so editing went pretty fast but then COVID hit so um there was even kind of a weird period of figuring out where it was going to go so not that's that's kind of the the general timeline of it with COVID thrown in the mix. You know that seems to be setting everyone back. But mm. yeah, it went pretty quickly, honestly. You know they were full days on set. Okay, yeah, no, that's pretty impressive. And what about the casting? How was mm -hmm. that process? Because it's just yeah, being able to find this just great cast of people mm -hmm. that, that really just sold every single moment. Right. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Was it like, man, you hit these people straight out the gate or was, the, you know, you went through a lot of people. How, how did it all come together? You know, I think we went, we went through hundreds of people. Um, you know, my casting director, you know, Chris Fryhofer was great. He uh, we met on after a previous film I did and, and he was, you know, just kind of hit it off talking and ended up wanting to work together on this next one. Um, Lost Kings. And yeah, he went through even more than I actually looked through. I, I looked through a lot of auditions with him, but he went really went out and searching and really sat with the script and, and kind of figured out. I talked to him about the film I wanted to make and kind of how I pictured some of the characters. 
And, you know, we didn't find him right away. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a month, you know, several month long search, but I do feel like it was probably about a month till we found everyone we needed. And even when we were kind of doing some of the final casting, I think to a degree, I, I'd seen him taped on, on online, but I hadn't seen him in person. So mm. there was even an element of like, oh, I, I think this is the right way to go. I hope this is the right way to go. Because obviously casting could drastically just change the direction of a lot of it. Um, so, but, but Dash, you know, our lead, his performance and Joe Ashley just kind of seemed right when we finally saw mm. it. The final scene, you know, the final scene with Dash where he has a lot of emotion to it. I won't... Yeah, that was my biggest concern. I was like, did I write a scene that I can find a 14 year old that can, that can kind of like pull that off? Cause there's also, there's just a lot of things going on. Right. It's not just like a quiet moment. It's kind of a chaotic moment. Yeah. Um, and in the audition, he just nailed it. And so I was like, wow. Okay. I was, I was kind of surprised that it was like that clear, but seeing him was a pretty easy decision. Uh, and then I, I can only, it only got better from there, you know, meeting him in person, all of them. They were just incredible. And, and, and beyond just that, they were interested in the feature. They, they wanted to know the larger story. They were just an encouraging group of people. The actors were so kind and, and found me after and told me how much they enjoyed the script and how much they were excited to see me do, you know, bigger, bigger projects. I mean, they were, they were beyond just amazing collaborators. Um, they're just really, really kind people and, and like just genuinely supportive of, of all of, of me and everyone on set. So it's really, really cool to be on set. It was a great family of people to make the film with. Nice. And was one of the questions asked is, in the feature, do I actually get a name? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah, there was a lot of jokes about that, yeah. Because some of, you know, honestly, you don't hear a single name the whole time. Yeah. I don't think you need to for it to work. But some of them have names in the script. You just don't ever, you know, you don't ever see it. So. Yeah, no, that, that, that is a Because I'm just like, Zuri? Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, also, you know, like started with the feature script. So they all have names that you hear in the feature <laughs> version. But then in this version, it's just like there's there's not time to get into names. Yeah. Because you're kind of in the heat of the situation. So yeah, it probably was it was kind of funny, but I think everyone understood the context that the names later in a larger story get told a lot. Yeah. More. Yeah. Said yeah. a lot more. And, and so everyone is signed up for the feature or because hey you well, know what I mean from what I'm reading you're you could be up for an Oscar right so if you get that little sure. gold man then people mm -hmm. might be like I'll come back but yo you have to up <laughs> it Brian so you need hopefully you've tied these people down now <laughs> well there, there, there's you know it's it would be a whole new conversation because honestly the short was adapted from the feature so there's 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 whole entire characters that don't even appear in the short that are really important in the feature version so um man I, it, to get there would be amazing but at this point i think i'm just kind of still figuring out where it's gonna go but when it comes time, yeah, there'll be a lot of those conversations. I'm sure of like, what does it look like to be a part of a larger, a larger story? Because this one was such a labor of love. It was a, a small indie project where people just kind of band together and help make it, um, just as as some friends and um, everyone kind of understood. It was like, there's a little a little story, a little film I want to make, and there's not much behind it except a lot of passion and hopefully a good story. So. Um, it will be interesting to see what it grows into on a feature level to be bigger and have a budget and uh, just honest. I won't get into the specifics because I want to entertain you and you have fun when you watch it, but a lot more, just a lot more, a lot more suspense and 
emotion and a lot more deeper story and character arcs that that will be i think really fun for the audience to get to live through um so i can't wait but we'll see one thing at a time i guess <laughs> it, in, it, i'm definitely intrigued to see where this goes because the way you end it right because as i said look there's no mm -hmm. definitive beginning or end but mm -hmm. i think the way it starts really does suck you in and the mm -hmm. way it finishes just leaves you just mm -hmm. whew, because you feel tense in the house. Then mm -hmm. there's the that moment, which mm -hmm. nothing is said, but so much is said. Just going between, yeah. just seeing the faces and just all of that. And you're just like, mm -hmm. where is this going? Like, where yeah. the fuck is this going? And then it goes mm -hmm. in the way you kind of want it to go. But mm -hmm. it's like, you don't want to condone a thing, but the fact but it's kind of awkward, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that he goes to the kitchen, right? I think that's mm -hmm. the big thing. I think if he's going to taking PlayStation, you'd be like, ah, piece of shit, man. But that <laughs> didn't happen, right? There was mm -hmm. the looking at the ring and stuff, but you kind of felt that yeah. that's more curiosity than anything. Yeah. And that so, was the intent for sure. Yeah. So you have that moment. Mm -hmm. And then when you get that and you see him at the end and again, all the, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I was just like, oh, I kind of see this, this regret, this shame, this like, mm -hmm. I can't be in this situation again. And, mm -hmm. and, and it just from that, and it was just like, oh, oh my days, like where the mm -hmm. fuck does he go now? Right. So I mean, you yeah. see this and you just be like, yo, what's his journey, man? Well, where mm -hmm. does this go? So I think this is a great calling card, man. This is a oh, really thank you. calling card. I um yeah, I, I well thank you. It's really really kind of you to say, and I'm I'm glad you just connected with it because, like I said, my own love of movies and connecting with films. I'm glad to be able to make things that other people. I think it's a pretty incredible thing that as a as a filmmaker to have an emotion and a story and like make it in the world and almost pass that emotion to someone else is really really. It's still kind of surreal to me that it that it works that way. And so the fact that you love it and 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 that I get to maybe make a longer version for you to see one day is just so exciting. So thank you for all your kind words. Hey, no worries, man. But where do you go from here? Because, yeah, you're doing the festival circuit mm -hmm. and everything like that. But, yeah, what yeah. is what is that process to trying to get this into a feature? But then I, mm -hmm. I guess you've got other things as well on the back burner that you want to do as well. So, mm -hmm. like, yeah, what? What's next? Like, where do you go? Well, a lot of that depends on, you know, how the race goes. As Now that we're in consideration for Best Live Action Short, it, it, it really depends on what happens next. Um, but I guess I can say regardless of what happens next, uh, I, it involves, you know, the next steps are going to be refining the feature and finding the right partners that really want to make the right, you know, the same film that I want to make, which we talked about, like, um and it's my i feel like it's kind of my job to shepherd the tone and the feeling of the film but find people mm -hmm. that can get on board with that and um and then find the right cast to really do it you know i'm lucky i have a lot of the crew you know already really kind of pulled together to make this but there's a lot of new characters i need to cast and explore and so the immediate next steps are um find the right producing partners maybe even a, a production company or a studio and uh, find our right actors that just kind of come to life off the page. Um, and that's probably what we'll be really focusing on in the spring. But like you said, there's other, 
I one of the best advice I ever heard was um, I believe it was Judd Apatow. You know, he did a master class, and I've done several of those. You asked about learning from other directors. You know, I did mm. Ron Howard, David Mamet, um, Aaron Sorkin. Um, uh, who did I just say? I said someone else. Um, Spielberg. I forget. Uh, he hasn't done one yet. I can't wait. wait uh, he anyway, oh, Judd Apatow did a master class. Oh, yes. And he said, he said, just as soon as you finish your script, start another one. Don't, don't write a script and wait five years trying to get that made. Keep going, keep writing. And I've really taken that advice to heart. Um, knowing that, like, um, I just watched a documentary about Kurt Vonnegut last, you know, yesterday. He was, he, he was just writing book after book after book. And when mm. he finally had one that kind of hit and found success, they retroactively went back and there was a lot of material to start publishing. And so I kind of operate the same way that like I I'm at my heart, I'm a storyteller and a filmmaker and have many, many stories I enjoy telling. And for me, I'm best when I'm writing and dreaming those to life. And so Lost Kings is, is already written and ready to go. And I'm going to keep writing new stories and, and keep going. And until I find the one that's just ready to kind of bring into the world and actually making. So it's a little bit vague. And some of that, I guess I'm, my answer is kind of, it depends. Uh, I hopefully next year, this time I'm talking to you about how we, you know, we wrapped the feature and now we're in editing, but it could very well be another story I have that just hits first. And I'm, mm. I think I'm really open to whatever the next one is. Um, knowing that just timing is huge. And so I'll, I'll, I'll be going with whatever feature film, you know, people are ready to make alongside me. So we'll see. I'm not sure. I mean, that that's smart though, right? Because yeah, I've heard mm -hmm. similar things. I spoke with the author Luke Smothered earlier in the year, mm -hmm. who's written some, oh man, if you haven't read a book called The Stone Man, Brian, you need to check that mm -hmm. out. It is so, so good. It is, it's mm -hmm. like, following a kind of invasion but it, it's not like you've ever seen it done before so good but wow. he that wasn't his first book right so he'd written a load of stuff and when the stone man blew up as you said with kurt there was all this other stuff that was great but no one had really checked out and so you were able yeah. to get all these these other works and then you got to you know write more stuff and yeah it, it's mm -hmm. about setting yourself up so you're ready for the opportunity right that that's mm -hmm. the thing i try and do myself and yeah it sounds like you're doing it too and hey i can from this i can't wait to see what you do next man i really honestly oh, can't you. and and that's not just because you're in front of me. You know what I mean? I honestly really did enjoy this film. I really did. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I sincerely just, I have a blast doing it. Like when I'm on set, I'm just smiling. When I'm, there's stressful times too, but typically smiling ear to ear, it's just the most fun. And I really love doing it. And I, I don't even know if I could not do it. I feel like it's kind of something that I've been trying to do since I was a kid and just can't get away from enjoy it so much so it's really 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 nice to hear that um someone enjoys it and uh your, your words mean a lot because i yeah i i'm gonna do it anyway i'm glad it's i'm glad it's working and <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making bad films so, so far. <laughs> and so how can people before i let you go man how can people mm -hmm. keep track of everything you're doing so there's my website people can go to and if you look at my name it's just brianlaws.co um so they can go there and that's kind of where works posted a little more of um frequently uh they could follow me on instagram i'm going to be posting a little more bit more there or like big news about the film will come there first 
which is my first and last name, just at Brian Laws on Instagram. And those two places, if they just kind of check in on there, they'll, you know, aside from a quick Google search, Brian Laws Lost Kings or Brian Laws Director, you can kind of search and see what's popping up. But you'll probably hear it first on on Instagram uh, and my website if people want to follow along. And I would love for them to because I'll, I'll keep – there's some other films I have that are probably going to come out pretty soon um, from previous years. And uh, eventually Lost Kings will be available to watch too. So come find me and uh, I'd love to, you know, carry you along for the ride, see where it goes. Splendid. And is there a festival, the next festival that you're showing Lost Kings at? Is anything coming on the horizon? Well, we just played at um, Chicago uh, International Children's Film Festival in Chicago. So that was a, a big Oscar qualifier film festival for us. So that was fun. And then we we either, I, I need to check. There's, um, we might be, we just did Napa Valley Film Festival um when we're kind of coming to a close we've kind of like finished our festival circuit so there might be a couple stragglers i guess depending on what happens with being in consideration um and and the shortlist it could maybe open up some some new opportunities but right now we're kind of in a holding period while we figure out what happens with the uh the oscar race so um yeah we'll see it right now there's no big ones on the horizon but um that could change if the right opportunities come so well Brian, all the success, man. And looks like you've given me a friggin' reason to now have to stay up late and watch the goddamn Oscars. I thought I was out and they dragged me back in. <laughs> so we're trying. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah. Well, hopefully this year will be a little bit, you know, more normal. Last year was just kind of a strange year to do it. So, yeah. I, um, <laughs> come watch me from there. All right, man. Well, Thank you again for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, all the success with the film, man, because it it really, it, it, it really tells a great story. It really does. Emotionally, physically, you do a superb job. Um, your crew, incredible crew you put together. Mm. And uh, yeah, all the success, man, really. And come back when you've got something else to talk about. You are always welcome. All right. Well, thank you. I will. Thanks, Kevin. That means so much. All right, man. You take it easy. All right, people. So there you go. Right? Lost Kings, Brian Laws. Trust me when I say this short is great. So many emotions that Brian was able to capture just in this short space of time and it really tells the story so yo go check it out right if you can find that festival where it might be showing but you know what follow brian follow brian's socials you know what i mean go to the website then you can keep track keep track of this and anything else brian has coming because yeah i guarantee it will be definitely worth your while people so um yeah that's it now if you haven't checked out part one go and do that but otherwise people we will see actually we're gonna see you on monday yeah we're gonna see you on monday this week people so all right until then enjoy the weekend and your film watching peace